Hello, and welcome to episode 99 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me forever and always, the men, the myth, the copper top, Alessandro Bailsi. Say hello, Al. Every once in a while, you just have to enjoy some nice ice-cold grapes. That's a, that's a fact. I'm with you on that one. Subscribe. <laughs> That's what I brought downstairs with me. I brought some ice cream nice. green grapes. Uh, and they're like super green too. Like mm-hmm. like you should be laying back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> laying back and someone should be feeding them to you. Perfect. On this week's episode, we enter the Matrix in a Kojima-directed fever dream with an alternate ending where Spider-Man belongs back in with Sony. Along with other news and nuggets, all before diving into our flick of the week, the Matrix. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Sorry, I'm chomping on these grapes. Um, <laughs> chomping on these grapes. That's what I'm doing. Um... We're drinking a collaboration between Devil's Backbone and Mad Fox Brewing Company. Um, although I guess Devil's Backbone is the one driving this transaction because they have the way. bottom thing. And also, as you pointed out, the bottle by date actually says that this beer was boned on, <laughs> <laughs> which is concerning. Uh, so we're drinking. Uh, I had a few of these. I think we have two. I don't remember if we've actually done the first one on the show already or not. Oh. Um, I, can, I just can't remember. Cool. Um, but um, this one is the Crack Stout. It's classic Irish-style dry stout. That's how you say that? That's yes. crack? That was what I was trying to do some research on before, huh. right, right as you were calling me. Huh. Um, I was looking for both the pronunciation and what it exactly means, because I had heard of the word before, but I was never really able to firmly pinpoint what the definition of it was. For those of you following along at home, I'm not crazy. It's spelled C-R-A-I-C. Crack. Yeah. I was never really sure. Gaelic is weird. Um, anyway, it's 4.6% alcohol by volume. 39 IBUs. Um, this is brewed in the Virginia heartland. Um, there's, uh, there's no story, which is weird for a collaboration beer. There may have been one on the box. I don't remember. Uh, one of um, those jammies. Yeah, so anyway, crack in... Ireland apparently is kind of a nebulous term for like good times and like a good vibe and like oh okay in like whatever setting with like with you know having a beer with friends you know what I mean like that's a good of thing. vibration stout is that what yeah I'm basically got it <laughs> and like you describe things as I think actually they use it with an article like the crack sometimes too the let's talk about bottle art here nothing super special here but I will note that. The bottle label is actually super textured, like a really yes. nice parchment. Yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> um, I, I noticed that the first time I picked up one of these bottles, I was like, "Oh, this is uh, this is weird. It's very like tactily like satisfying." Yeah, and it gets like it looks like like mine's all tattered, and I imagine that would be pretty common considering it's like straight up like paper. And I wonder if that's kind yeah. of the goal is to get that look. Yeah, it looks like someone intentionally like tore off something yeah. to make it look like that. Yeah. Um, also, I um, I had like after the worst pour ever, it's become now the perfect pour. Nice, stout. you got that. Yeah, it took me like ten minutes, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you wanna you wanna try this? Bad but you way? stuck with it, and that's what I appreciate. That cheers. I did. That is a lot more carbonated than I expected. Yeah, but that, I mean that's fairly common for these like Irish stouts. I think Guinness when you watch like the whole thing rush after you pour it, you know what I mean. Sorry, I was trying not to burp directly into the microphone. I was gonna say, are you okay? Uh, no, it's yeah. It was. Hang on, let's try this again. Now that I know what to expect, <laughs> give us another <laughs> sip. It's tasty. It's like 
it's like weirdly light. Well, that's the thing about like I think most Irish stouts is even though they're very dark and bold of flavor, they're not that heavy, and mm-hmm. people can conflate dark for heavy. And like you know, like a Russian imperial stout is going to be heavy in sure. addition to being dark, but it doesn't always be the case. There's a lot of porters and stats that are really very light. Guinness is actually a lot lighter than a lot of oh, uh, yeah. beer, well. beers than you would think, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, this no, grows yeah. on me with every sip. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's I like it. One of the driest beers I've ever drank. Um, but it's not... Not like that champagne dry that we had with... What was that? Well, there was like one beer that we had a while back that we felt a little classy while we were drinking it. Oh, yeah. Was that... Was that one of the um, the Newberg um, one-offs because they did some. Might have been. Remember, remember, they did some with champagne yeast. Yeah, <laughs> champagne yeast. Yeah, all the yeast. Um, yeah, no, I I'm I'm below d- down on the yeast. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called many yeasts on this show. <laughs> Wild. Uh, I'm a fan. Would you? Would you say you're a crackhead? Nice. Um... Yeah, I don't think that's how it's used okay. over there. Got it. Um, no, this is this is really good. Um, like, yeah, like you said, kind of like the mm. depth of flavor, like kind of further develops as you're drinking it. Um, it also settled down a little bit. The bubbles. Yeah, I mean that's just gotta get itself out of its system. Well, I mean, mine's been sitting there for a minute. Yeah, but, so. um, but this is uh, this is pretty damn tasty. Yeah, I like this. Good call. Good choice. Man. Oh, speaking of speaking of good choices. I have another good beer to add to our dramatically too big backlog. Nice. Um, so this past weekend, um, Dominic and Emily, that's my brother and his girlfriend, um, they had a little dinner. In a gallery for, for those keeping score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had a, a dinner for like me and my parents and her parents and a, a couple of family friends of ours. In nice. It was like a five course meal. Each one paired with different beers. Okay. Overachievers. So, yeah, so me, me and him planned that out over the last week or so. And um, I found a couple. I, I contributed a couple of beers to this. And one of them was one I, ha- I, I had had before. It was one of my favorites. It's Victory Golden Monkey. Mm-hmm. Um, and you love one, your Golden Monkey. I do. It's so good. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a big hit the other night. Um, and the other one was like a... I guess a pretty well-known like Belgian like saison. It's um, saison Dupont. It's supposed to be. It was supposed to be really good, which is why I finally tracked it down. I literally found one four pack of it at the store. Uh, and nice. I, I, I didn't Mine. have any belief I was ever going to find it. Um, at we least get into like a jingle quickly. all the way situation where you're fighting some mailman for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have two of them left over. Um, it's really good. I know you're not a big saison fan, but it's really, really good. Yeah. Nice. And it better be because it was fucking expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just gonna, even if it's not, you're just gonna you're just gonna go with it. A little Stockholm syndrome there. <laughs> no, it was really good. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure it was. Awesome. I mean, this the catalog keeps growing. We're gonna have to. We'll probably just have to record a bunch of episodes at once <laughs> to get through or some of it. Or a bunch of a bunch of parts of an episode that yeah. we release all at once, where we do multiple beers. Oh my god, the early days. <laughs> Or Flicks in a six, the pilot re- season. Re- re- recent days, too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you should check out our Cloud Atlas episode. It's gold, Jerry. Gold. Gold, Jerry. Gold. Shall we get into it? Sure. We got a lot to talk about. 
Uh, uh, yeah. I want to start I off with... Keep, I tried to keep my news pretty light because okay. we're going to just have a bunch of it, or at least we're going to discuss a bunch of it like in fairly long form. Probably, yeah. So let me, let, let's start off here because it's super relevant to the flick that we're doing. The Matrix 4 is happening. Keanu Reeves yes. and Carrie Ann Moss are returning to the film and production is starting in early 2020. It will be written, directed, and produced by Lana Wachowski. Willie is not part of the creative team. Which begs the question, if it's just one Wachowski, is it a Wachowska? <laughs> yeah, they're Wachowskis, not, not Wachowski. <laughs> Wachowski, Wachowski. <laughs> um, how do you feel about this? Uh, we discussed these rumors a while ago, and they pop up every once in a while, and I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like I, Whether or not I would be quote-unquote on board with it, I would understand if they chose to set something in the past prior mm. to the events is more of a world building of how we get got to this point sort of thing. I could see the intrigue. Kind of what the Animatrix is, though. Sort of movie. I never watched oh, Okay. I thought the Animatrix was between one and two. There's a lot of explanation of like how we got to where, we are, where, where we're at. The first machines with AI that were built and... All the, the the sky scorching and all that. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, I guess they don't need to do that then. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be a between one and two sort of thing. Because it was a couple mm. of years between one and two. and That would be fair, them. just because it gets it's very jarring. Yeah. The, the between those two. Yeah, I don't know. I don't... I, I mean, I'm going to see it. I don't really care that much. Um, I... I want like I'm excited to go back into it. I got real excited watching rewatching the Matrix for this episode, uh, and it makes me want to watch the rest of them. I, I, I will say I will say this about the fourth one, or whatever. Uh, before I feel too excited or disappointed with it, I want to know what it's actually going to be about. Yeah, that's fair. Because 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 for me right now, I just can't conceptualize what a sequel to the trilogy would be, especially one that involves the two people who spoiler alert died at the end of the third one. I hope that it's just from the machine's point of view. <laughs> just she's gone crazy. <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna revisit the time and space of these films as the Squiddy. <laughs> that will make some, some compelling storytelling. <laughs> that's 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 a take. Um, <laughs> man, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know where to go with this one. We'll we'll I, we'll obviously keep tabs on it. Uh, like I, you will, said, I will say, at least there is a Wachowski Wachowski well, Wachowskis. That's being involved in the movie. If it was completely new people taking on it, I would have zero interest. Yeah, I'm curious what the only one is about. Um, well, because one of them has, I think, largely... And I keep forgetting which one's which. Um, but the both of them started Sense8 together. They both mm-hmm. did Jupiter Ascending together. They started Sense8 together, and then one of them stepped away, and the other one kept doing it. Got it. The... One of them had, I think, kind of stepped away from doing anything for the last couple of years. Okay. And so I'm assuming this is still the one that had been publicly still working on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know for 100% because I always forget which one's which. Sure. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, anyway, well, uh, production is slated for early 2020, so we'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, I'm definitely, It's definitely something that as I come across headlines about it, I'm going to be super interested in and try to keep up with. Because I, I just, it, it is curious that it's coming back. If it's coming back, I feel like there's something that they want to say, or at least Lana wants to say. <laughs> like, I'm so I'm curious to see where it goes. 
Well, they, I mean, I sure hope so, because otherwise, what are we doing here? Just out of money. We're just out I of money making the movie. doubt that somehow. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, hey, look, Phantom Thread's on. You savage. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gamescom happened while we were in between episodes, and a couple of things of note that I'm interested in that I'd like to bring up. First off, you've heard me talk about Death Stranding on the show before. Uh, very confused and remain to be confused. Got some more information. Got nothing out of that information. I mean, you're going to still be confused when you're done playing. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, uh, I never finished Phantom Pain, but I'm still confused about what I've seen in there. Uh, but this is, is that a... the whales? That, that was the early... That was in the, the intro, like the prologue of the game. Yeah. Okay. Not to be confused with the prologue game that came out beforehand. Regardless... Uh, there's, they showed off a mechanic where you can urinate and a mushroom grows. That was like the talk of the town. And I was like, I really don't care. No, that seems, that seems important. I want to know what I'm actually doing in this. And like, he, uh, it like the gameplay footage starts off with, uh, like kind of swooping the camera around the character who's sleeping on the ground, waking him up and then moving him through the space and finding some like outposts and then. Oh, sorry. When he woke up, he peed and, and grew a mushroom. That was it, really. Nothing crazy there. Um, is that a is that a is that a, a dick joke? He peed and then grew a mushroom. Like, a, no, what am pe- I missing here? He peed on the ground, <laughs> and a mushroom grew out of the ground. Apparently, okay. there's going to be some sort of mechanic where you can pee on other people's mushrooms, <laughs> and they will grow bigger or stronger. It's not clear. There's some sort of mushroom urination mechanic. That is crossplay. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. The more you, the more you say, the more I think there's some sort of dick joke here. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure there is. The whole, maybe the entire game is one big dick joke. That would be amazing. That's what he's been doing with his time since he left Konami. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, so that was one of the things that I'm. I'm still super excited about it. I don't know what is going on, but I, I'm completely into this and really want to play the game and see what happens i hadn't i didn't really have any interest at first and then when that literally 10 minute long trailer came out yeah. uh, that we discussed a few months ago it made me really excited but also made me pretty sure that i'm never going to play a single minute of the game because it looks just super intimidating to play oh absolutely so you'll play it with me we'll just like i feel like it's going to give me anxiety trying to play it because you know you get that every once in a while when you're yeah. really hyped for a game and it's like, oh god, there's so much to do in this game. And it's just like so many things to learn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done that before. Absolutely, it's, it's weird. I do that thing too, where you like you wait for you know what? I'm gonna wait for the perfect time to sit down and play this, where I could dedicate like three straight hours to it, and that time never comes, and then you never play the game. That happened to me so early on with The yep. Witcher Three. I really wanted to do it, and then eventually I got to it, and I just then I would I don't it was t- too much hype. I wasn't super into it. I feel like it's a game that I would be into, but never happened, and now uh, and now here we are, and I haven't played through it. Instead, you can watch the show on Netflix that has uh, someone who's less good at his job than Army Hammer. Hammer Cavill. And we should <laughs> we should play Death Stranding together. We talked about this before, but I, I think uh, we might bring back the game stream, have you and Brian over, we'll have some beers, and we'll play. We'll at least kick the game off together. I feel like that'll be fun to do. Okay. okay. We should make that happen. The other bit of news, not super newsy, but the, you look like one of the newsies. It's uh, uh, a. <laughs> are you crutchy? It's not super newsy, 
but because uh, we, we already knew about the Marvel Avengers game that's coming out. Uh, but we got to see the footage that I believe was behind closed doors last time that it was played. Like there were like clips of it. Oh wait, for what the uh, Marvel's Avengers? Oh, I thought it was Marvel. Um, oh, is that what that was? Okay, I yeah. missed that, but I heard that it was out. Yeah. And I feel like the the talk about the game is not super high, but I'm 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 interested in it. I I want to play it. I want to play those those characters. I don't know. They they still uh, reports are saying like they're kind of confused by how the actual mechanics of the game will work because what was played felt more very much like a tutorial mission and not. I how was the confused game will watching play. it because it looked like it was supposed to be delivered as gameplay, but it also seemed very cinematic. Yeah, there's like a lot of like like. Uh, hit this button now things going on in yeah. between uh but yeah I, I don't know i'm i'm reserving judgment on that because i it's obviously it's a it's something that i'm super passionate about and would really enjoy playing I, even if it's not good i feel like i'll have i'll get a little bit of fun out of it so i'm, I'm looking forward to that i don't believe that's coming out for a while i think that's like may 2020 or something like that no yeah, I think it's like something like that. Oh, is it that far down the line? Yeah, I think it's like I think it's spring next year, but we'll see. Um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be good, uh, or at least entertaining enough that I'll have fun with it. I've still been playing a lot of the Spider-Man game on uh, PlayStation that I had beaten you a know, while ago. You, I was like, I thought you finished it. I beat it, but now I'm hundred percenting it and getting like all the uh, side. Okay. It's just like I've been having like every once in a while, I'm like oh, I have an hour and I'll just go on and I'll I'll pick one ridiculous suit that I want to wear and I will just do every mission in a specific spot of the city, <laughs> and that's how I'm working my way through the city. And uh, right now I'm wearing the suit from Far From Home uh, because I'm furious and <laughs> I want to keep that alive. So let's get into that. So. It was announced that they were not able to come to an agreement, Sony yes. and Marvel, or Sony and Disney, on the Spider-Man property. Uh, basically, the gist of it, Disney wants more money for making all the money, and Sony does not want to do that. That's, that's, where, that's, where it, that's how it's kind of advertised to us, the consumer. Uh, it seems more like it was... they. They're using that kind of to, to fuel the fire of fans. I don't think that well, it's as it, it bad as it, it definitely sounds. Seemed like, it definitely seemed like Disney was successful in getting fandom onto their side. A hundred percent. Try and strong arm Sony into coming back to the table. Yep. And from what I had heard, even a couple of days after the news came out, um, this might still be a fluid situation. Oh yeah, it, it's that's what... After the fact that what I was reading was like, it's just that they didn't come to an agreement. Not that it was over. Yeah. But like, everybody took that and ran with it like it was the end of the world. Uh, which, you know, granted, I was very upset with <laughs> hearing that immediately. I was just like, ugh, this is just going to be on the fence for a while. Uh, I don't... Yeah, that, that's the, the, the big thing. It's just going to be annoying for a long time. Yeah. And I don't think, ultimately, I can't imagine... That they don't that that Spider-Man story ends in the in the MCU the way that it did because it's just so good and it's so exciting and it's horseshit if it doesn't come back in some way in the future. I mean, really, Disney should just even though I don't usually like this sort of thing, they should just find a way to buy it back. Like, just pay whatever yeah. price and buy buy it back. Yeah. Like, like you guys are messing with our long-term plans. Because, you know, we actually have those, unlike mm -hmm. you. Um, 
So either grow up and come sit at the adults' table or fuck off. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. There were a number of really good, uh, you know, goofy Twitter reactions to this stuff. Um, None of the good ones include anything about Uncle Ben. That joke is tired and old and stop it. No, there was one pretty good one. Uh, My particular favorite was about uh, Sony keeping up with the tradition of ruining the third Spider-Man movie in the franchise. Yeah, that was good. I like that. Uh, tons of that stuff if you want to go and look for that I'm sure if you listen to this show you've probably already seen most of it did I, did I not send you the one with that found a way to fuse uh, Spider-Man and Lord of the Rings together did I not send you that one I don't one? know if you did uh, I know I definitely sent it to Dominic because it's one of his favorite lines from the Lord of the Rings trilogy um, so they took like just a random like ski mask with like eye holes and like face holes cut out and like photoshopped it over um a, a yurikai in, and there was the line uh, it was when when you find out that they're about to reboot it again and it was from the second one when he says looks like meat's back on the menu boys but he <laughs> said it looks like Uncle Ben's back on the menu boy <laughs> alright that one next that one is funny that's cool. that was good no that one was really that. good uh, but it was just like it, it, the, the Uncle Ben jokes run rampant anytime there's something like this going on or like it's starting and it's just like it's I'm just over those jokes but that one that one's actually pretty funny I'll, I'll let you know yeah. that one <laughs> Um, man, I, I just like stop it, you know? Just, just stop, guys. The rising tide lifts all boats. Hey, just, just take take more, like take a take less money and do less of the. Just let Disney have it, and they'll still just give you money. <laughs> like that's pretty much what's gonna go on, right? You don't have to do much. You don't it's, have to be involved. It's it's not quite the. You know, 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing thing. But it's like, would you rather have 50% of, I don't know, let's call it $1 billion? Or would you rather have 100% of, let's call it $500 million? Yeah. I know the math comes out to it being the same, but it's not the same. So, I don't think it's related at all. But at the same, I don't know, within a few days after hearing that news... uh, Sony acquired Insomniac Games, which made the recent Spider-Man game. And yeah, that's probably not involved at all. I, I was curious if it had, could potentially have anything to do with the property. Um, I don't think so, because it's just licensed to them. Yeah. For the games. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that, that, that's just something that I also, thought was... The, the that, timing was very odd to hear both of those things within a few days of each other. That game wasn't a direct tie-in, right? So. No, no, it's not. Not at all. Um, but but the story is fantastic. Um, it's it's much better than some of the previous Spider-Man movies that they've made. Uh, it's really it's really good. Uh, if you if some you somehow get a chance to play that game, uh, for, you should do it. Uh, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to make that a possibility for you, like to get through some of the story or at least some of the story beats that are really cool in it. Uh, Black Panther two, May six twenty twenty two. So, but that, is that the first one we have a release date for though? Uh, no, we had gotten some of them when they had that big thing in, um... I thought that was H. just, like, the, uh, like, the season area that it was coming out in. I thought now, we got well, dates. For a lot of them, there were, but I think the first couple ones, because the ones that are coming out in 2021, um, hadn't been dated before that, I think. Uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so that's cool. I... Very much interested in another one of those movies. Uh, the first yeah. one we loved. Uh, little said, 
to not have Andy Serkis return, but whatever. <laughs> Spoilers. Instead, he's gonna <laughs> instead he's gonna direct Venom for Sony. Man, the uh, odds are not in your favor, <laughs> but I really want to see it. <laughs> I'm curious to 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 know what Andy Serkis, the director, is all about. I mean, yeah, Andy, for sure. Andy Serkis, the motion capture um, actor, very excellent. Andy Serkis, the actor, underrated. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see what Andy Circus the director is all about. Let's find out. Uh, so the I think that date came out of the was that the D twenty three Expo. Yes. So along with a lot a lot of other things that we'll be getting to. A lot of other things that are near. Why don't you Why don't you take it? Why don't you take some of those other things? Um. Well, let's talk about some Star Wars as we are want to do on this show. Um. Which Which Star Wars topic do you want to talk about first? Um, let's start with The Mandalorian. Okay. Um, so they finally gave us a trailer. Yeah. Uh, which was, even though it was still incredibly light on giving us anything, um, which is weird because it comes out in, what, like, three months? Yeah. Um. It's soon. Yeah, um, still, <laughs> I, I think, I think it's in, is it November, is it November or December? I, I forget. Um, but either way, um... Pretty damn cool. Technically, yeah. we never actually see Pedro Pascal. What does he have? One no. line at the end of the trailer? May- yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, under the uh, under the helmet, um, we saw a couple of shots of uh, we saw what we saw one shot each of like um, Giancarlo Esposito, yeah. and we saw one of Carl Weathers, and we saw one of Gina Carano. And okay, be honest with me. When you saw Carl Weathers, did you go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> because every time I see him, all I can think of is Arrested Development. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, he's... <laughs> it's fantastic role in that show. <laughs> uh, the, I think the best one was the, the one where he's, where he takes him to Burger King, right? <laughs> and he's talking about getting the per diem and yep. this and that and, you know... It's so good. <laughs> and how to get a free meal and all that stuff. Oh, my God. I, I think I want my money back. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. I really... I gotta finish it. Yeah, I still haven't gotten to watching the newest season, actually. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, it's uh, exciting stuff, you know, it, it, it felt... Big. Star Wars. Yeah. It felt... Epic. Epic. It felt legit. I, that was the one thing I was concerned about was, is it gonna look cheap? And it very much didn't from the little bits that I saw. No, not at all. And I was definitely, like, as the trailer was playing, and I was getting the Star Wars goosebumps. It's a very specific brand of goosebumps. But I was getting the goosebumps, and I was like... This is weird. This is not for one of the movies. <laughs> and I was like, "What's happening here?" But uh, I'm like, "Yeah, it's I'm excited. I think it's gonna be good. It looks dark. It looks like kind of gritty." I'm well, I think that where... that was to be expected. It's you yeah. know, I don't. We haven't seen the, it though. No, but like in the you know in the the far reaches of space in the outer rim in a in a time of turmoil right after the the rebellion is has prevailed. Yeah, um, a long time you know ago. There's still a Far lot away. of wow. Uh, there's still a lot of of empire presence, right? Lots in, of empire sorry. stuff here. Just lots of empire lots stuff. Of <laughs> lots of empire stuff. The empire still has a strong presence yep. in, in some pockets of the galaxy, and things are even more bitter than ever because now, now it's real, right? The 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 emperor is gone. Darth Vader is gone. The uh, the Death Star two is gone. Um, you're out on your own now. And yeah. You can make yourself a petty warlord in some corner of the galaxy, but you don't have friends coming to back you up if things go wrong for you. 
And it, it could be really cool. It could be really cool. I... I have a, I'm, just I have glad, a I'm feeling, glad it looked good. It, it looked polished and legit. It does. And I have a feeling that this one is going to be really good. Uh, I worry that... the Because they're going to keep doing this stuff. Like the next thing that's non Well, apparently, apparently they think it's going to do really well. Because like a week ago, they already greenlit season two. Mm. With Jon Favreau back to run it again. And... One of the directors who directed a couple of the episodes or one of the episodes of the season already tapped to come back and direct a, a couple of episodes next season. That dude is gem. Yeah. Uh, I We made Cuban sandwiches with the recipe from Chef the other day, love, and love they good, were... Love a good Cuban sandwich. Un-frickin' real. <laughs> I, I don't know what that has to do with what we were just talking John about. John Favreau directed and was in Chef. Oh. So good. So good. I knew he was in a chef movie. I forgot that it was called. Oh chef. my god, they were so good. That recipe is unreal, and it's not hard. Just, just do it. <laughs> just go make those. Okay, send me the recipe because we'll I do. love a good Cuban. Love a good Cuban. Oh my god, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. A nice little MLT where the mutton's nice <laughs> no, and no, lean. The mutton's <laughs> nice and lean. Sorry, it was the last thing we talked about right before we went on. <laughs> it was the last thing we talked about right before we went on air. King's <laughs> lathe. Uh. So that's the Mandalorian, but there is... Oh, one last bit of yeah. Mandalorian news. Um, they also confirmed that it was going to be dropped weekly. Hmm. Instead of... I'm down with that. I appreciate that. I actually that. like. Yeah, there's less of a chance... Because I, I don't know, I can't I can't always be binging a show, so I prefer to have that kind of piecemeal and not have to worry about like insane spoilers. I, I still don't mind watching some shows weekly. I still watch a bunch of shows yeah. weekly. For me, it's just having the flexibility that I don't have to watch it at the moment it came out. Like, mm-hmm. that I have the ability to is great, because, like, Sunday night, 9 o'clock, whatever primetime HBO show is on that I'm watching, um, I usually strive to make it to watch it, but I yeah. don't always succeed, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's nice to have the flexibility to be able to watch it a couple hours later, or Monday night instead. Um, but I still like to do that on Sunday night. Yeah. It's on TV, it's HBO. Yeah. Chocolate? With Johnny Depp, <laughs> you're not fucking French, Peter. <laughs> uh, same. All right, that's that's the Mandalorian, but there's so much more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. But wait. <laughs> um, so we heard rumor of a Star Wars sizzle reel teaser. I, I don't know. What to trailer call. two. Let's call it trailer two because that's what it felt like. <laughs> Yeah, um, so we heard rumors that there was one played over the weekend, and then like an hour later we heard rumors that it was going to be out here on Monday. And here we are on Monday, recording yeah. on a Monday, which is weird Perfectly for us. Perfectly time. Did this on purpose. Um, and it came out earlier today, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god. Even though they barely gave us anything, but yes, they gave us everything. The, oh yeah. Yeah. It was so much. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, go. It's everything. It's. Uh, I have to imagine, if you're listening to this, you've probably watched it, because... I didn't even know it actually dropped. I was just scrolling through Twitter and Star Wars promoted it, uh, like the tweet with it up under my timeline. And I saw the promoted Star Wars tweet. I don't actually follow the Star Wars account. I saw the promoted tweet across my timeline probably ten times today. So they were full court press. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. The the intensity of that, though, like, that one, they really took their time with it, uh... I've used this phrase a lot during our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode, but they really made a meal out of it. There was 
it, with all the old scenery and all clips from the old movies and the build up and the and the classic you know words across the screen with the voiceover and then after like I don't know what felt like two and a half minutes of that then there was more of all new footage that we hadn't seen and I was like what is happening and it was so good. It's it's such a scam too because like I say this with a smile on my face, but it's such a scam because it was like a two minute and like fifteen second trailer, and only like twenty five seconds of it were episode nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, we released a new two minute trailer. It's like, ooh, and then you start watching. It's like, oh, this is great. And then you realize glorious seconds. <laughs> it was like watching an episode of The Walking Dead, but it was like when The Walking Dead was good, so you didn't notice how short it was. <laughs> yep. Yep, absolutely. Oh man, that uh, what was it? what was that? What was that duel? Was that on top of like a downed star destroyer, or was that on top of a piece of the Death Star? What was going on there? Could have been either. When I saw it, my first thought was the the the, the downed uh, Death Star because there's water they, around it too, right? Because yeah, you know, that it, you see it like shaking with the waves like s- s- crashing around it, mm-hmm. and that was. The thing you saw was the final scene of the first trailer, right? Is they're standing up on a cliff looking down into the ocean where the crash bit of yep. uh, Death Star was. So I assumed it was that, but then we saw that ridiculous mega fleet of Star Destroyers. That was insane. In what looked like a stormy sky, so it was entirely possible it could have been on top of one of those two, you're right. Sure. Yeah, and then that wacko lightsaber. Yeah, so that actually, I saw some people going a little nuts over that, like, oh... Well, there was some jokes. Oh, we love our in the 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 sequel trilogy. We love our impractical lightsabers, right? Because of what there's actually precedent for that exact lightsaber hmm. in the Clone Wars. There is a Jedi who has he's you know who he is. He's basically Goro. Uh, perfect, but he's not <laughs> gigantic. With I don't know, think he had. I think he had four arms. I can't remember. I don't remember how many Goro had, and I don't remember how he had. I just know it was more than two. Um... And, you know, he's like eight feet tall or whatever, so he carries two lightsabers, but each of them is a double lightsaber. Nice. But he starts off holding the two of them, and, like, it looks like they're just these really thick grips, and, like, long grips, and then he snaps both of them out when he needs to get serious. Nice. So he's got four blades, and he's doing his thing with his multiple arms. That's insane. And and this one, I mean, it makes sense for her, right? Because it turned into a staff, basically. I've which... been banging the table for that since episode seven, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, hey, she fought with the staff. She's skilled in she that knows how style to use of combat. Thing. It would make perfect sense. And I get they never had her make a new lightsaber <laughs> in eight. I think it's a, a failing, but I, narratively, I get why they didn't, because it became a big thing when the lightsaber breaks, right? But... And then they showed this trailer, and you're like, I hope they make a staff. And then you're like, oh my god, they did both. <laughs> and you got really excited. <laughs> and also, red? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Concerning. They're, they're known to change colors up, though, for the trailers. Um, sure. Uh, although, the whole ambiance of that scene is pretty hard to oh, yeah. um, confuse yourself. Although, actually, Does Star she Wars die and happen- get resurrected? Hmm. Oh. Probably not. Well, the prevailing theories, if people want to get into wild speculation, which that was from like our first episode and we never actually created a sounder for that. We should do no. that eventually. Yeah. Um, we have to keep doing it if we want a sound clip for it. It took me a real long time to make an intro that is 17 bottles opening and then a random loop from from a garage band. <laughs> Yeah, but it still took you, like, a really long time for us to do the Avengers song. <laughs> that was great, though. That was... 
I think we deserve an Oscar for that one. <laughs> best best sound editing. We should uh, totally do that for Star Wars. But like an overture, right? Mm-hmm. Like that 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 little fluttery thing, and then like the love song, and then the main thing. We should make and the Imperial March. We do it all. Um, I um, I think for that one we should recruit help and get like everyone to like hum oh, a different piece of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I should start like working some- on it now. Someone's doing the timpani, someone's doing the strings, someone's doing the horns, you know what I mean? Like, get, you know, all of it. <laughs> we can make this work. Oh my god. A cappella orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, with people who are all tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be so good. Oh my god, I am so excited. I cannot freaking wait <laughs> it's yeah, so I'm pretty soon. i'm pretty damn excited for that oh my god what is gonna i still happen? think we're, i still think we have to get another full trailer though yeah in the next few weeks yeah we will in the next month we will uh, monday night football i was look for that i look forward to that monday night football game just so we can get our tickets at halftime yeah exactly more important most importantly awesome i remember last All time right. i think last time you went through a whole panic because weren't you packing for a trip I, he was not available to buy the tickets at the time. I, but like, I think you were like, I'm leaving on a trip tomorrow. I'm packing right now. You need to text me when halftime comes up to the game. Because obviously you weren't watching it. And I'm like, texting you furiously and not getting any response. I'm like, yeah, oh god, oh god. That's right. <laughs> and you texted me back while it was, while it was, literally while it was coming on. And I threw my phone across the couch. I was like, I do not need this distraction right now. <laughs> was I... No. Was I leaving for my honeymoon? You absolutely were. Because <laughs> it was in October. <laughs> I bought so many tickets to that movie that night. <laughs> just, But they were not for like good times. They were just tickets. <laughs> it's like, I gotta get something. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yes, you were packing for your honeymoon. Because yeah. <laughs> it was in October of that year. Yeah, that was amazing. Um... The only other nugget that I have here is the title of the new Bond movie, which is not news now. It was news when I first wrote it down. Oh, yeah. That happens to me sometimes when we miss it. Guys, we've been missing episodes occasionally. It's just... It's life. It's, it, it happens. Yeah. We're, we're still here for you. And if yeah. you have requests, you can send those <laughs> to flicksandasfix at spintune.com. Flicks and a what? Flicks and a six. I think you came out with a flicks and a shix. Flicks and a shix. <laughs> I'll just have to set that one up, too, just in case. Yeah, we're actually um, we're we're sponsored by the uh, Razor Company now. So. That's right. <laughs> uh, no time to die. That's right. I actually had forgotten what the title was. I remember that it was a thing. I um, uh, I don't care. I'm I'll see it. Yeah. Um. I I still have to see Spectre. Um. But um. Yeah. Uh. I there's just, that's not quite to the level of like you talked about the the Star Wars goosebumps, but when. When the whole, you know, comes up. I do get a little bit. We're going to have to do that one too, aren't we? Yep. That one's at least a lot simpler. We'll get it. You don't have to say, though, after watching, you know, them do the walk and turn with Daniel Craig as he comes across, he's by far the most intimidating of the Bonds, right? Yeah. I think Even though so. he's not the tallest, like Roger Moore would have been fairly like a significant amount taller than him. Like Timothy Dalton would have been taller than him. But 
Actually, you know what? Timothy Dalton's got a pretty intense face, but I'm not as familiar with he's these two the, movies. He, Daniel Craig's the most intimidating because he's the only one that doesn't have camp written into the movie. That's true, too. But I just mean, like, the intensity of, like, gaze. Like, I guess Timothy Dalton would have been somewhat um, intimidating, too. But like I said, I, I'm not as familiar with his movies. Mm-hmm. I've seen one of them one time. Um, but Daniel Craig is the one of all of them who, if he just gave you, like, a death stare, like... I'm actually going to be afraid of it. Like, I'm not going to be afraid of of Roger Moore. I'm, right. I'm inclined to start giggling watching Roger Moore try and, like, stare me down. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, it's, it's... He has that, like, uh... What, what is the, uh... What's the Christmas movie we just watched? Uh, White Christmas. He has that kind of, like... I feel like that vibe. That, like, kind of showman-y... Yeah. ...vibe. Uh, so it doesn't come across as... But, again, not written that way. He might be... Who knows? Maybe he would be able to pull it off if it was written that way. Well, I'm talking more about the actor than the than the the Bond himself. Mm. You know what I mean? But yeah, no. In general, the the Craig Bond is the one I believe could just pop me in the skull dispassionately and move on and not think twice yeah. about it. The other guys, I don't feel like that. Like you know, like Roger the 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 Roger uh, Moore one. Like he, I feel like he would be the type of guy who would wake up in in the middle of the night like, yeah, I was a little fucked up. He he didn't really deserve that. You know what I mean? <laughs> The, uh, and Sean Connery, all I, all, every time I see Sean Connery, all I think of is uh, The Last Crusade. Junior. Junior. <laughs> when they're doing that strap to the chairs. <laughs> uh, we should do those movies one day. Okay. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of those. What, a, what other news and nuggets you got? Um, that's it for me. Alright, well, then I have a new segment for us. Oh. Yeah, bringing it in hot on episode 99. Are you ready for this? You, usually, this is, usually we discuss ahead of time that there's going to no, be no. a new segment, even it, though we we often hide from each other what the segment's going to be. Uh, no, just wanted to spring this one on you because I wasn't sure. Depending on the time, I was going to hold it off for 100, but uh, it might make it'll probably reoccur in 100. Um, this is a thing that we used to do on the shit show. I would find a random quiz. I would make Brian answer the questions to the quiz, and then I would tell him what the quiz is for. And we're going to bring that back, (laughs) and any question that I feel will give the quiz away, I'm just going to give you the answers and make you pick one. They're all multiple choice. Okay. Just because I don't want to give it away until the end. Doesn't, it's not, it's not. I'm a little little confused. I'm just going to follow. Okay, cool. So is it just, is it just, am I supposed to try and guess it as quickly as I can? What it's about? No, you can, you don't even have to guess what it's about. You can, you can try. Let's see, before, before I reveal the answer, let's see if you can guess what the quiz is about. And then when I give you the answer, let's see if you get it then. And then if not, I win and I tell you what the quiz is. Is is this quiz, uh, which character from Phantom Thread you're most likely to be? Uh, it is not which of the three characters from Phantom Thread you are. So, question number one is when were you born? And I'm just going to skip over most of these and go down to the bottom. Because here's a fun fact, uh, which I'm sure, I'm pretty sure every year I text you two to three days before your birthday. And I go, is it this date? Or is it this date? Yeah, sometimes it's a couple of days before. Sometimes it's a day after. Yeah. It's always I'm generally, within I, the... I'm in the, in the area... October 23rd through November 21st, or November 22nd through December 21st? So is this a horoscope slash um, astrology thing? Uh, not really. <laughs> well, you, you said October 23rd to November yeah. 21st, and I'm right inside the cusp of um, Scorpio, so that's I'm the 20th. That's right. Um, and it's the 21st is the one that I always think is your actual birthday, but moving yeah. on. 
What would you wish for if you found Genie's Lamp? And there's a few options here. World peace, a million dollars, everlasting life, magical powers, true love, or a puppy? Oh, you know, there's actually a couple of, like, decent ones that are not complete. I mean, like, world peace probably should be the answer. Sure. But true love or a puppy is pretty great, too. It's not super selfish. It's not a million dollars. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would feel pretty comfortable answering any of those three. Which one are you going to pick? Let's go with world peace. World peace. All right. Moving on. Uh, I'm going to make you uh, describe yourself. Handsome, intelligent, adventurous, kind, funny, or wealthy. Um, intelligent. Okay. Cool. Would you consider yourself to be more of an optimist or a pessimist? That is a tough question. Um, I guess let, let me let me let me qualify the answers. Optimist. I try to stay open and positive. Pessimist. The world is a depressing place. <laughs> Um, today was more of a pessimist day. Uh, <laughs> okay. it depends on the day for me, but Let's I go. guess, uh, 5149 pessimist. Okay. Pessimist it is. What's your biggest fear? Rejection, heights, death, small spaces, public speaking, or spiders? Wow. You're really going to get into the, you're going to get a look behind the curtain here. Um, you may not know this. I'm quite sure most of the audience doesn't know this, but a lot of me will make a lot more sense to you. It's rejection. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right, here rejection. Guys, if you're wondering why I've been single so long, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> which classic Disney dog would you like to have by your side? Lady, Max, Pongo, or Nana? Who's Max? Uh, he looks familiar, but I don't know what he's. I think maybe Peter Pan. Not sure. No, isn't that Nana? May oh, maybe you're right. I don't know who Max is then. He looks familiar. I'm going to go with Pongo. Pongo. That would have been my choice. I, I like Pongo. Um, continuing the quiz. Which sign are you typical most compatible with? Aquarius, Pisces, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra. You know the signs. Um, yeah, I, I know some of them. And I have no idea. I do not have an answer to that. All right, just pick a sign. Gemini. Gemini, where are you at? I don't remember. Where are you at, Gemini? All right, done. What color is your aura? Black, green, <laughs> orange, pink, blue, or red? <laughs> uh, there's no option for amber in there, because amber is the color of my energy. Nice. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> um, let's go with green. Okay. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a big aura guy. Are you superstitious? Am I what? Superstitious. It's a. Uh, it's a very binary question. It's very or not at all. That sucks because I'm somewhere in between. All right. Um. Uh, let's go with very. I'm not very superstitious, okay. but I have a couple of very little things that I'm superstitious over. Which fairy would you wish upon a star for? The blue fairy, fairy godmother, Flora, Fauna, and Merryweather, or Tinkerbell? Fairy Godmother. Okay. Which planet are you ruled by? Mars, Jupiter, Venus, Mercury, Saturn, or Neptune? I noticed Uranus wasn't one of them. Nice. I thought you were um, going to go with Saturn on account of our mid-show astronomy. 
Yeah, let's go. Let's go with Saturn. Okay. Which ride would you most likely go on? Splash Mountain, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Haunted Mansion. It's a small Haunted Mansion. It's a small world. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad or the Mad Tea Party. <laughs> um, Splash Mountain. Okay. Last question. How would you rate this quiz? <laughs> I love it. It was pretty okay. Not great. <laughs> it was pretty okay. Okay. There we go. Showing the results. Now that I have... The, it's calculating the results, so please hold. While Are it's calculating... Being, were we just being hacked like our bank accounts? Most likely. Like that? Did you, I forget. Did you ask my mother's main name in there? No. Uh, <laughs> so now that I have the answer... It was very Disney-themed, obviously. What is the quiz for? Which Disney astrological sign are you? Close. Uh, your soulmate is Prince Philip. It is which Disney prince are you most compatible with? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know who Prince Philip is. I... Is that... Oh, Sleeping Beauty. Cinderella? Oh, Sleeping Beauty. I just had to scroll oh, no, down Prince, a little Prince, further. Prince Charming Cinderella, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, Sleeping Beauty... I, I feel like I remember liking Sleeping Beauty when I saw the movie when I was younger, but that's one that I haven't seen in easily 22 years. Like, So let the record show that Prince Philip time. is your soulmate based on your astrological sign. Uh, that being said, I'll try to speed these up in the future, but I think I'm going to come back to this because I like the idea of you not knowing what the quiz is for. Uh, I thought you liked the idea of me having a crush on a Disney prince. That too. Hey, man. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, so we'll, uh, that's, that's, that's fun and games. That's, that's our segment, fun and games. And that's the new segment, oh. actually, that I'm bringing in. As okay. I want us to play some sort of quick game. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a quiz every time. If you have one, feel free to throw it in. We used to do movie 20 questions at the end of our episode, but, uh, it's just the two of us that would get a little boring. Mm. So, that being said, I... This reminded me, the fun and games thing, but it doesn't have to be games or quizzes or whatever reminds me of. Did you ever see... I know you said you've seen some of Always Sunny. Did you ever see the ones with the game of games? Mm, I'm not sure. I think that's... No, not... The, yeah, it was Ch Charty McDennis, the game of games. Oh that's what it was. What is that? Um, so all four of them, Charlie, D, Dennis, Mac, um, created their own board game. Oh and it was <laughs> years and years and years ago. And they... There was an episode where it was like a it was like a dreary day. It was raining. Like no one came into the bar. They're sitting around. Frank finds a box in the back with the game in it, and none of them had thought about it in years. And Frank wants to play the game. They didn't really want to play the game. There's always the same teams. It's always Dennis and D versus Charlie and Mac. Charlie and Mac have never won the game. They've never even made it past the first phase of the game. And what the first phase of the game was like games like trivia and puzzles or something like that you draw a random card and it's one of those three things and each time they draw it on their side um charlie's going no puzzles no puzzles no puzzles no puzzles no puzzles <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I, that is a that, show that, that i need to give time to that's one of the best episodes of the show in my opinion recently um, brian had me watch uh the gang watches the whiz and that was tremendous oh that was a season premiere of one of the the recent seasons it was so good the, and i keep i keep going uh, going back to what are the rules and i it, it's daily for me oh uh, yeah maybe it's quantum leap what are the rules 
Someone on Etsy, I think someone made the game. Um, I was trying to open the uh, like the, the the fandom like page on it with like a synopsis of the game. Um, Charlie McDennis, also known as the Game of Games, is played by the gang. Um, it's not just a game; it's it's a war. It's played with two opposing teams for fifteen minutes, not including stoppage time, which is frequent. Where each team must progress through three stages with its own set of rules. The game ends when one team has completed the required number of challenges from each level. Upon achieving victory, the winning team gets to smash the game piece of the losing team. Char- Mac and Charlie have never won in the 18 times they've played. <laughs> there are 15 minutes on the game clock. Um, stoppages occur in between rounds during the team's three timeouts and during injury stoppages. Um, be sure to always have a first aid kit for injury stoppage. Oh Tali suggested that the game board be nailed down as someone will get angry at losing and try to flip the board. <laughs> uh, cursing is not allowed in level two. If a, curse, a player curses, he or she must chug for five seconds, but the opponents get to count. Asking questions is not allowed while the clock is running, and it results in drinking for five seconds. Although on level two, the opposing team counts. If a player spills his drink, his team must chug the opponent team's, uh, opponent's team's drinks. Five cards are needed to advance to body, from body to mind, and three cards are needed to advance from spirit to body. Oh my god. <laughs> so level, level one is mind. It's... Trivia, puzzles, and artistry. That's what it was. Level two is body. It's physical challenges. Uh, it's pain and endurance. Oh and God. then level three is spirit. Emotional battery and public humiliation. What the hell? <laughs> I have to watch this. Uh, it's really, really great. Um, cheating's a big part of the game. It's tolerated and accepted, but there are penalties for getting caught. If a player is caught cheating while both teams are at the same level, the opposing team advances one level. If the team at the higher level is caught cheating, um, the opposing team is advanced to the same level. The pre-round etiquette. Uh, classical music should be played while the part- participants dine and make small conversation. Oh my God. It gives the illusion of respect for one's opponent. <laughs> <laughs> Ask any questions now because asking questions are forbidden while the clock is running. An infraction of the question rule results in being penalized by the team drinking for five seconds. After, after the reception, wine glasses should be smashed and fierce dancing and Maori war dances should occur to intimidate the other team. Oh my god. In the new edition of the game, the Maori war dances have been replaced by a flag-raising ceremony where each team shows its flag. This has to be played. <laughs> yeah, so this whole thing had like the run of what they actually do. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to look that up. This is... I. It sounds ridiculous and... I really want to watch the episode, but it makes me think of other games that are played in shows, and I really want to play True American. I know. I've tried multiple times to get a, a round of True American off the ground, and it's never worked. Floor is lava! <laughs> <laughs> it's equal parts life-size Candyland, the floor is lava, and was it charades or something? I think there, so. there was some other thing that is... JFK, um, FDR! <laughs> <laughs> where does the trash go? <laughs> Oh my god, those episodes are fantastic, especially when they bring an outsider in to play it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do they do that in every one of them? Uh, well, I think in the first one, I think Jessica is the outsider playing the game, no? Oh man. And then the, I know, I know. One of them is when she's dating uh, what's his name, Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the character's name, um, but he was there with them. And then there's another one where someone else's significant other is joining them as well. There was a great. SNL skit where it was a trivia game. It was like a 
it was almost like a family feud style. Like it was Keenan hosting, I'm pretty sure. And one of the categories was, is this Dylan McDermott or Dermot Milroy? <laughs> 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 and they just show both of the pictures. <laughs> so great. Uh, yeah, we should, we should, uh, we should try to make flicks in a six true American happen. <laughs> I'm on board with it. Make it happen. Let us get into our flick of the week. The Matrix, 1999. A computer hacker learns from mysterious rebels about the true nature of his reality and his role in the war against its controllers. That is the synopsis from IMDb. Man, it has been a minute since I've watched this movie. I yeah, rewatched um, it this I've... weekend in preparation for the show, and I, I didn't think the movie was going to hold up the way that it did. That's actually one of my notes here. Um, it's this movie is incredibly 1999, mm-hmm. and yet somehow it still really holds up. With maybe the exception of the whole cell phone landline thing, sure. but even then, it's technically could just be construed as a quote unquote period piece. In which case, the the setting and the narrative justifies having those things be a part of it, right? And it's just like it's I don't know what it is about. There's just some there's. I, it, there's obviously the nostalgia aspect, right? It brings you right back to watching that when you were younger. Uh, see, it, it, I actually don't have that. Oh, I didn't true. really see it. I was too young to watch until, it when it came out, and I did anyway. I, I probably, I mean, I saw a little bit of it, and I remember like my memory of it was warped because like I was like I walked into the room and like my parents were watching it, and they're like, "Yeah, you should get out of here." <laughs> and the exact scene that they were watching is absolutely because I think it was the scene when. When um, Neo gets pulled out yeah, of the, the unplugging. first time, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not a great scene. No, for it's not. It's terrifying. Eight, That'll scar you an for an eight life. or nine year old kid yeah, to walk in. Absolutely, on. that's terrifying um, for me today. Yeah, no, so. it's not great. Um, so yeah, um, I didn't watch it for the first time until like six, seven, eight years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just it's something special. It's like, and I feel like the movie almost like com- like encapsulates the '90s as a genre. <laughs> just ever, like transition into and out of which is well weird. it's very much the the i guess actually the the turn of the century right because yeah some of it was actually ahead of its time at the time mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah but oh my god because you could go back like a year or two before and that could feel super dated and very 90s oh yeah Whereas this exists in that weird nebulous space of specifically movies from 1999 and 2000. It's so funny, too, because, like, the the CG is usually one of those things that really dates a movie, right? Yeah. And while it's not, I mean, by today's standards, it's not good. It's still, you look at it and you are thinking about everything else, right? You are thinking about, like, this was made in 99. Like, this is insane what they're doing. There's only really one CG thing that doesn't hold up, and it's the actual, uh, like, squid alien, uh, the squid robot. Yeah. That's the only thing that doesn't hold up. Yeah, that's true. How about that? The insane, the insane helicopter crash into the building ripple effect nonsense scene is... That's what I'm saying. Like, that's so pretty good. solid. Yeah. It's intense. I mean, the bullet time scene is, is silly. Um, yeah, but it was also meant to be because yeah. it was meant to look so specifically. And the thing is, they haven't gotten any quote-unquote better than that now no. because it's still an homage to the, that specific scene. Right, and the fact that they did it instead of, well, at the end of the film, they animate him flying. In that scene, it's it's I think it's just a high-speed camera with a fan blowing and him actually doing the... On wires, doing that like that, those motions, which is what makes it look so good. But like, yeah. it's just it's it's so. But oh, you know what else? You know what? I, sorry, 
You're wrong. It's not the squids. It's the elevator door. That's the worst. <laughs> Yes. Okay. The explosion in the building. Is, no, the, is, the explosion's is actually fine. I'm okay with the explosion. It's the it's door. It's the door. It's bouncing. just the door. It's it's almost as if they forgot to finish rendering it. It looks like some of the uh, deleted scenes of Endgame where they're not finished on the effects because why finish the scene and you're not? Oh uh, yeah, it's like the, the pre-rendered yeah. like, first like draft of it. Like, um, yeah. Um, uh, getting back to something you just said a, a minute ago, um, it's because. They were so like groundbreaking in some of these things that they did in this movie. A lot of it, it holds up because it's something you never saw before. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so. Although that doesn't always work, right? Because there's some CGI from like the '80s where it's like, wow, like back then this was like cutting edge, and now it looks like absolute trash. So who knows? Maybe in another ten years this will, but I don't think it it will. Yeah. Because or at least for they, us it won't. Yeah, I think um, it'll. It, well, I don't know. I. I th- I think I think when you have the compare and contrast of the two things, it makes it "quote unquote" better for you that like because you know where you came from to now where you are, yeah, type of thing. Oh, I think what'll the way that it'll be important, or other folks like in the future will notice it, is when you're when you're trying to see movies from certain time frames and you're watching movies from that time frame, and that is part of it. You're that's when you're like. Well, holy shit. Like, that's insane. <laughs> well, you get caught up in the moment, too. Like, especially when it is cutting edge. Like, I swear, like, the first time I saw... The first couple of times I saw uh, Attack of the Clones, I didn't realize that literally nothing was real in the movie. Mm. Um, no, like, not... Like, I know it was real, but like, that there was literally no practical like, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, the everything on the battlefield was 100% rendered. Like, I didn't realize until years later, going back and watching, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Now that I'm, Now that I'm not, like... Like, it, like caught up in watching the movie. Like I know what happens. I your attention wanders ever so slightly. And it's like that's really bad. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> and also really not real. And I just assumed that was a dude dressed up like a stormtrooper, like it was in like you know everything else. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's pretty wild. I am. Cur- It'll be fun to. I'm looking forward to the day when I can go and when I can watch this movie with my kids and and just be like and wonder how they feel about it. <laughs> It'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, I also I also had a thought before you get into yeah, yeah. whatever next year when I, when we were saying you said oh this is very nineties and I and I said I slightly disagree where it's like anything made prior to nineteen ninety nine feels very nineties and like specifically it seems like every movie made in ninety nine and two thousand has its own vibe that doesn't apply to even movies coming. A year or two earlier, or a year or two later. It's like its own little microcosm. And I the... wonder, I wonder if I don't know what specifically the association is, but like 2001 is a is a big inflection point in the history of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that the the blowing up of the the uh, the twin towers has anything to do with it. It obviously doesn't, but it's weird that that seems to be the turning point at that time. Like, what is it about? That year specifically, that was this inflection point for like media as well, like specifically TV shows and movies, just feeling and looking distinctly different yeah. than they did one it's year. Like wild imagination, right? And like the ability to continue dreaming and like I guess that freedom and fantasy where that's it, it, it's kind of robbed from you at that year. And then, I guess that's maybe that's what it is: is you lose your sense of like whimsy and like you know, yeah, like which child, is interesting. Like, because it's I it's funny because in certain sense for certain movies we're almost getting back to it where it's just like it yes. seems like the MCU is what would have naturally followed that but it didn't 
because of the way things happened in the world. Could be. Yeah. It could just, could be just like uh, the natural it, it might be one of those things where like the moratorium is up type of deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It could be. That's fascinating. I never thought of that. That was a really interesting thing to bring up. <laughs> but it's you're right though. It's like you, you that I, I even noticed like when we were doing when we were doing um Bedazzled. Yeah. Like that is a hundred percent the same vibe as this movie, even though it's completely different. And that movie was goofy. This movie isn't like. There's a couple of goofy lines in this movie, but it's largely very serious. It's kind of on the gritty side, but like the aesthetic is basically the exact same thing. Yeah. Um. And in another movie as well, which is funny because if you just told someone what the about like the movie you showed them and didn't tell them what it was or when it came out, you would have assumed it would have been a post 9/11 world. But Enemy of the State came out in the year 2000. Yeah. Um, and that was exactly the type of movie that could have come out in 2002 when you consider what it was all about and like the mm-hmm. whole paranoia of the police state and the NSA and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it came out a year before 9-11. But it, and even though the, the subject matter is very post-9-11, the aesthetic is 100% the same thing as all those movies I'm talking about, 99 to 2000. Yeah. Ah, it's really bizarre. It's... <laughs> it's funny... I do think you're right to some degree about like I do think it changes uh, a lot because even even for things where it doesn't really matter too much, there are I've I've heard plenty of interviews on movies and TV shows and makings of and all this stuff where like we had this really cool concept of this thing that we wouldn't we wanted to do and like around that time it was like and then you know we felt it was in bad taste or like we decided to go against it or it was like it didn't feel right at the moment because of what was going on. like and that stuff is. It, that's the obvious stuff. So how much yes, how much of yes. the stuff that we're not thinking about had changed because of that is is really is really interesting. Although the, now this is all reminding me of one of my favorite lines from Arrested Development when when Tobias comes to Michael with some issues between him and Lindsay. And he says, "Well, how long have these issues been going on for?" And he goes, "Well, I don't want to blame it on 9/11, but it certainly didn't help." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I, that show is too much. Uh, one of the things that immediately, like very early on, is the that it brought me right back when I was watching it. The green, the very green color palette that you get when you're in the Matrix early on, and when you even when you return to it uh, throughout the movie, it's very. There's something mundane and unnatural about it, and obviously that's like the intention. But it's just like, man, pulling that off with just the color is incredible. Well, and, and as you say, mundane, it triggers to my mind another movie that also came out in 99, Office Space, which, again, yeah. absolutely fits the exact same wow, thing. Wow, that's you know? true. I was thinking, it's not a mundane detail, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, but you know, you're right. It's like they very much emulated that style, right, of, you know, everything is, you know, the whole sitting in the corporate office and this and that and, you know, the this, like the bland suits and this all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's something that I didn't notice the first few times that I saw the movie. But you're right. Uh, it, it has to be intentional that the cinematography uh, it accentuates the green of it. And it has to, I'm sure, is an indication that they are watching a simulation on a computer screen. And it's all the green numbers yeah. cascading down the black backdrop, right? Um, but that's one of those cool, subtle things that I never would have noticed early on. And I probably wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't rewatched it a million right. times and started... Thinking about these things slightly more critically since we've been doing this show, you know. What yeah, I mean? it's it really it really is funny. It's you know it's funny while he's in the while Thomas Anderson is in his cubicle and he gets his package. I was looking at the scene and I went, "Oh my god, this is what my job 
would have been back then. <laughs> and I was like, 100%. this is horrible. <laughs> uh, speaking of, well, that, that was horrible. What's not horrible? Tell me the first time you saw that movie, you didn't want that phone. I didn't want I, that. Uh, you didn't want that cell phone that slides open. I didn't because I, I, didn't, was, I told you I didn't watch the movie late. when it came out. I didn't watch it until after I had a smartphone. I <laughs> wanted that phone so bad. I've I had looked it up back then. It was it was I mean, by the time Wait, I had a cell phone and like I mean it was I didn't have that kind of money. It wasn't crazy expensive in hindsight, but like I I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But uh, oh my god, that, that it's just something. It's so it's it, till this day when he takes the phone out and he hits the thing and it slides open. That phone is so cool. <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, that 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 phone technically would have been a bit ahead of its time, even though it's laughable now. Yeah, and he's like he's shocked by it when he opens it. He like opens it, and he does his like he, basically his Keanu Reeves face of whoa, like <laughs> as it's and he's completely shocked. That scene, I you know, it dawned on me while I was watching the movie this time around. The pacing is is great. Like I I was locked in the entire movie. Like there's. Every time, like, they, they don't overdo a scene, they don't underdo it. You get just enough, and you move on to the next thing. Just enough, move on to the next thing. It's really well written, really well executed, because it's so, with so much going on, if you dive too deep in any one particular space, you're probably going to lose a lot of the audience. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it is pretty incredible, because the, it never drags for a single second, and the couple of times they do really, like, linger in a, like, it's usually to build up some sort of, is it a sense of dread? Is it a sense of foreboding? Is it a, is it a moment to reflect on the, this whole existential problem of all this, right? Like Neo sitting alone in his bunk, waiting for, like, just the revelations that he's just been revealed, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's, man, this is heavy shit. Yeah, you need a minute, too, as the audience, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 the timing is perfect. Uh, the There are a couple of key things early on in the movie that really got me this time watching it. Uh, the first was seeing... Was it, how, was it how douchey it is when he says D-Base? When he says what? When he, when he says, you're the one who cracked the, uh, was it the whatever D-Base? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that was, that was rough. <laughs> I was like, was, it's so cringy. Yeah, it's hard to listen to. Uh, but the, uh, the first thing was seeing Hugo Weaving the first time. Mm. And like, again, seeing our, our, him our again guy. for the first time. <laughs> and it was just like, because like at that point, I don't know who Hugo Weaving is. But from that point on, every time I see him, it's like, oh, Smith from the Matrix. Like, and, and like that was like that defining role where he entered my, like, my world. A- elite character actor, because depending on your mood, he could be, oh, Smith from the Matrix. He could be Lord Elrond of Rivendell. Yeah. He could be Nurse Noakes. He could be Papa Doss. He could Papa be anything. <laughs> Now that's a throwback to the beginning of the oh show. Oh my god! The uh, with him, you know what's what I noticed throughout the movie. He there's this weird. I don't know if it's intentional or not. I am. I, I assume to some degree. I assume that maybe it wasn't intentional at first, but it being left in is. You hear his breathing a lot. Who Hugo Weaving? Oh yes. You hear like it's yeah. It's I think uncomfortable it's and yes. gross the way that it happens. And that's why I'm curious. It's like, I can't imagine it was written that way. I feel like as they were listening to it, they're like, ooh, this adds a certain something. And it leaves it in. 
Um, uh, that was the, that strikes me as the type of movie that anything that made it to screen is done so intentionally. They had to craft that movie so carefully. Yeah. Like, if you ever hear the stories about how they blew their entire budget just doing the opening sequence. I pause, Kim is watching with me, and I paused it, and I was like, and that is how they had spent she, the she, entire budget. <laughs> had she ever seen it before? No. Uh, what did she think of she it? She fell asleep. Oh. Oh. It was too late. That's my, I mean, oh. I, I, I was going to watch it either way, so she started watching with me, and she fell asleep. Okay, but if, if we start a movie post 10 o'clock, she will fall asleep. Fair. Um, yeah, no, that I think that the, the audacity of that story, like, I, I love hearing stories about that where someone who is so passionate about whatever they're working on is willing to totally set everything up in flame just because they need to deliver to you this glorious vision that they have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, when you see something like this and to see it rewarded is great because it could have totally blown up in their face and we never would have oh, yeah. seen this movie. Absolutely. You know I mean? It's insane. It's, it's, it's nuts. And I, I paused it and explained the situation to Kim and as I was doing so, I don't, like, it dawned on me how absurd and like, like in, incredible it is that they, they were able to do that and pull it off. Like it is. I mean, it, it's, and it becomes kind of meta too, right? Where it's like, this this is meant to this whole scene is meant to hook you into everything that's coming out. It's like I have no idea where this movie is going for the next oh, yeah. hour forty five, but I really want to see. You know, it could end up being great. It could end up being terrible. But geez, man, you you could do that. Show me more. Whatever that is, you know what I mean. What else did you right. think of while you were making this movie? Uh, and that's not even what the movie is about. You know what I mean? Like it features a whole bunch of like high wire acts, but it's not what it's about. Um, it's a movie that has a lot of heavy introspective thoughts yeah um and that's just the window dressing to get you to come in um, it's wild and it re- like it reminds me of like you know like the, the kind of a more literal representation of that whole meta experience at the beginning of that movie and, and how it was made uh reminds me of the beginning of halt and catch fire um which i've mentioned a few times on the show although I guess I mentioned it somewhat recently, um, but before that it had been like a while since I talked about it when I was binging all of it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, the very beginning of the show, there's a guy who worked at IBM who goes and starts to this random electric electronics company in uh, Texas, and you don't understand why he's there, what he's trying to do. He wants to make a, a PC, like one of the first PCs, and they like don't get it and then you find out that one of the guys there had a dream of creating one of these that's somewhat affordable and that was why he chose this company he knew that that guy was that guy and that he was ahead of his time with what he had created Mm. years past and their whole idea is we're gonna rip off the ibm operating system and ask for forgiveness not permission type of thing they come up with this whole loophole with how they're gonna do it and the audacity of the whole thing is two, is twofold. One, they lie to the company about what it is they're going to do, and they just do it. And then they're burning up their budget, and they're like, what are you guys spending all this money on? And two, not only does IBM find out, but the guy who left IBM actually informed IBM they were doing <laughs> With the sole purpose of getting their intention and showing what what it was why it was so special what it was that they were doing mm-hmm. that their own company would want to back them because 
of the potential yeah. that IBM would come down and be so hot and bothered about this means they're on to something. Right, right. And two, once they're able to prove to IBM that they were operating in this loophole with how they're doing it, um, it it forced IBM to like put it to the test to find out whether or not they actually stole it. Mm-hmm. It's, it would be it would be tough for me to describe what the loophole was. And by getting that out of the way at the beginning, they don't have to deal with the court drama afterwards. That's cool. It's, it was a really clever, like, conceit of those first yeah, couple yeah. of episodes of the first season. That, like, at, like that, that level of, like, drama and commitment and passion to what they were doing and everything like that, I, I thought was really cool. And in some ways, I see an analogous situation here. Yeah, that sounds like a, a show that I would be interested in. Well, doubly so, considering they're making computers, I would think that that would be somewhat interesting to you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, some of the early on shots, they, they carry through... Uh, I, I started not noticing them later on in the movie. I'm not sure if it's just that I was... so I, At that point, I might have been so back into the movie that I wasn't picking up on these things anymore. But they did a lot of like early scenes. The close-up of the face while delivering dialogue. And there's something very comic booky about it. Like, it's, it seems like a focused panel in a comic book where, like, the blurb is right there and the person's face is right, like, like you know, maybe it's, like, two-thirds of the panel and the words are off on the left side. And it, it feels like it's almost like a, let's just shoot this scene exactly how the storyboard looks because it looks great on the storyboard. <laughs> That's what it there felt are, like. There are definitely some scenes that are like that. And I can tell you that even later, it's probably true. Like, when they first show you that Cypher betraying them yeah. at dinner... That scene does that as well. You can almost see it moving slowly, like still screen, like as a still screen sliding through. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it, the, the, the movie's very visually appealing, even, even though it's dark and and gritty and the actual settings are not, the, the movie is, which is, it's a weird. Well, some of the settings are, any of the settings on the ship, um, but it's meant to show you how hard scrabble their life is. But, but even in the Matrix, there's nothing. There's nothing pretty about the Matrix in the way that they show it. It's all dark and bleak and gross, yet on screen visually stunning. Uh, yeah. Very, very interesting. I like. I. What about what about the lady in the red dress? Oh my god, the lady <laughs> in the red dress. I designed her. Um, if you want some time, alone. that was uh, <laughs> pimp, the pimp at work. Is that what it says? <laughs> That was was ridiculous. Early on in the movie, question for you here. I get this weird vibe that, like, Morpheus thinks that there's still a slight chance that Trinity's the one. Do you get that early in the movie at all? No. I know they're still seeking him out, but they do these... I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just, like, the... uh, the the father daughter relationship that they have like the and wanting her to do her bet like type thing I don't know what it is but I get that vibe and I I doesn't nothing nothing in the dialogue he, de- he definitely holds her he definitely holds her in a lot higher regard than any of the rest of them yeah um and they have a much closer relationship but no um and also the prophecy I believe specifically mentions a man oh okay interesting interesting. I guess uh, this, maybe does he know her side of the prophecy of that she's going to love this person? He might not. I wasn't sure if he knew that. I don't think so. I don't think she told anyone else. Cause remember she told when Cypher. Because um, he asks her. 
What? Does, do, do you love him? Or something along those lines. He knows. He he does ask. I think he... I think he's figured it out, but I don't think she told him. Mm, okay. Okay. Because remember when Neo tries to tell Morpheus, he says... The Oracle told me, and, she, and he says exactly what you needed to hear, and he cuts him off and won't let him say what it was that she told him. I think it's one of those things where, like, they all kind of don't say to each other, it's, no, 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 that's for you. That's your one special thing that you keep to yourself. Which is why it's such a big deal when he tells Neo what she had told him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that level of commitment. Like, hey, I understand you're confused and you're scared and you're racked with self-doubt and all that sort of stuff, but trust this. Trust that my one core belief is this thing right. and it's in you. And if nothing else, you have that to fall back on that you don't have to believe in you. Just believe that I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So, okay. So, still focusing on Trinity here. Uh, one of the reasons why. I, I also don't know if, like, maybe she wonders if she could do more. When she holds her hand in the... So, she does it early in the movie and later in the movie. She holds her hand up to stop the truck as she's taking the phone call. And she holds her hand up to stop the bullets, basically, as she's taking the phone call in a later, in a later scene. And I'm wondering what that's about. Is she trying to? So it feels like the it's the bullets. It, unless it's just foreshadowing of how Neo is going to be able to control like everything. Could be, and when he does stop the bolts, he does it by putting his mm -hmm. hand up. Um, I I just took it more as a kind of brace yourself moment because when she does it is when Smith walks through and she's already committed to answering the phone, and in that case, she's not stopping it. She's actually trying to like signal. To Neo, I, I thought in that scene, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Because something cause, odd cause about Smith, it. Because Smith, Smith comes up behind Neo, and she's facing him, and he's facing her. Smith comes up behind him, and so he doesn't see it, and she's already answered the phone. So as she does it, she then disappears, and the bullet hits the phone and cuts it in half, and that's why he can't take that exit. Yeah, but it, no, in that scene, he's. He's getting the the way that it's shot. Neo is to the side of the the phone booth. She's in the phone booth, and the the homeless man is down the way, straight yeah, out. Yeah, but Neo's not looking at no, it. No, but she's that, looking right? at the homeless man. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it, it it's just a, an odd choice. I could see what you're saying. I could see it being bracing yourself and seeing as how some of the other motions that she does are very stiff. It could just I could just be reading too much into it. And like that's all it is, but I don't know. It's just yeah. I, it was something that I always thought was a little interesting. I was curious if like is she trying to see if she could do it or like she she knows that it's a possibility, but she can't she can't fathom doing it. So like in this moment of like like maybe while I'm on my way out, like I don't, I don't know. It's just uh, it's strange. Well, I do wonder if not that he thought that she was, but rather if she wished she could be the one. Okay, maybe you know, and that's. Part of her, like, you know, you're a little kid and you watch Star Wars, right? You wish you had the oh, force and you're like, when you're alone, you know, you spend a minute, you know, focusing really hard on yeah. something. You know, if, if she could just try to be the one, if it would make her the one, you know what I mean? So maybe from that perspective, you know, what you were saying could be right. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's curious. One of the other things that I found really funny this time around is this movie is made for the repeat watch, man. Like, knowing... Everything, which is funny because it's so built on shock value, not for shock value's sake, right. but it's so well 
written that you don't know what's coming. Like, who knew what's that he's going to get shot by Smith and essentially die? Yeah. That was that's an intense scene. At the end scene. of the movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. But what I one of the things that really caught me by surprise rewatching it was just like how absur- the absurdity of not knowing about like the whole like the first time you're watching it until later on in the movie I don't know halfway three quarters you don't know about like the agent's like body snatching ability and it everything else makes so much more sense early on in the movie once you know that and it's just so funny to see it like one of the agents driving the dump truck one you know like like things like that like why is that person there it doesn't you don't even think about it while you're watching it but when you go back you realize how it all pieces together so well it actually makes them even scarier right because at first it's terrifying wait well they keep coming from every around every corner it's like oh yeah because they're their own little limitless army yeah that's it's it's so funny so uh as we get out of that that opening sequence we go into into (laughs) we meet neo in his bedroom uh which as a note down here i just have lol neo's lair just it's just ridiculous. Just the, the, the setup, the computers, him, fall, him asleep on the desk. Another comic book shot. You could just see the panel on yeah. there, right? Uh, what I think is so absurd, this, this whole next five to ten minutes is, is too much. It's just too much. It, uh, first off, it's his ridiculous lair. Then the guy talking to him at the, at the door, I think I have his line written down here. Uh, Hallelujah, man. Oh, hallelujah, you're my savior, man. My own personal Jesus Christ. And I'm like, a little on the nose. Uh, and then, then it sounds to me like you just need to unplug. And I'm like, come on, guy. Well, the funny thing is, is that my own little personal Jesus Christ is like, okay, dude. But the, you just need to unplug. Mm-hmm. Not uh, The first time you're watching that movie, you don't know what that means yep. yet. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay. Is this just a uh, just a song reference? Is this just a <laughs> but uh, and then follow? Hey, if if, if some Depeche Mode cut in, that there, would be amazing. Been fun. <laughs> uh, or when did the uh, when did the Marilyn Manson cover come out? Oh, is that is that around that time? Well? That would have been a good good displace in there. Uh, follow follow the White Rabbit, like the whole you know, and and specific the the later on like the mirror. Going down the rabbit hole, like all, like there's like so much. Well, that's 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 just really good writing, yeah. right? The tattoo, yeah. And then you know, follow the white rabbit, you know, or follow the white rabbit, then the tattoo, then it's like Alice going down the rabbit hole. I ask you to, yeah, you know, follow me. Why oh why didn't I take the blue pill? <laughs> um, oh, this is a thing that bothered me. The next morning he's late for work, but his alarm is going off. His alarm is just going off late, and I don't understand. <laughs> the alarm is going off at nine eighteen. I don't. I, I there was another time I paused the movie and I was just looking. And Kim's like, "What?" I was like, "Why is the alarm going off now, though?" <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's a, it's probably just a clock radio. Like the time keeps keeping time, even the alarms. The alarms have clearly been going off for a long time. Was it because it. the way that it, that scene starts, it seems like the alarm starts while we're in the scene. That's why I thought it was weird. Well, because you you join him in, in achieving consciousness at that moment. Right, you know maybe, what I mean? Maybe. I just thought it was silly. Although, man, to have that blaring in your ear for like an hour and a half and not have woken up. the That sound, fun fact about me, that the, I don't know, stock alarm clock sound 
immediately nauseous. <laughs> I I don't know if I just associate it with getting up early and not wanting to, and it turns my stomach. But even now, like if you were to play it, if I were to hear it, even then watching the movie, I get like a weird little stomach turny thing as soon as I hear that specific eh, eh, that ugh ugh <laughs> I can't handle. I see. I never kept one of that because like the I had like the the clock radio one. So it it's clock radio. On, it just turn on. Yeah, it would turn on. It would turn on whatever radio station I had it set to, and I would hear music or whatever was on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of hearing the annoying buzzer sound. I like. Uh, so we we find out his his quote unquote real name, his Matrix name is Thomas Anderson. He goes by Neo. I like that he has the avatar, Neo, and it, but it it flip flop. It's actually flip flopped. I think that's really I, that was just really fun to observe. When you're rewatching it, uh, that guidance over the it, 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 it took me longer than I'd like to admit that. Oh really? <laughs> one is like an anagram of itself. Uh-huh. I I I really I love that scene where he's being guided on the phone and he's running oh, through. That, it, it, wait, uh, at the end? No, when he's being guided through the. Uh, well, oh. it, yeah, it kind of it's kind of similar to that scene, but no, when he's in the office and he doesn't know anything yet. Yeah, that yeah. is that is so silly. Uh, it's 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 fun to watch, but they, there's some there's some very Keanu cans things going on in that, <laughs> uh, like like that one scene where he co- exits the cubicle and he's like looking directly up at the agent and and spins just. W- there's a lot more effort to go the direction that he goes to turn around. It's <laughs> like, what are you doing, guy? Cans. <laughs> oh, this is this is actually probably his most perfect role, even more than John Wick, um, because. Like, he gets dinged for being, like, for, like, his, like, laid-back, like, kind of, like, maybe a little confused, like, like, like very, like, chill, like, style of acting, and, like, that is really his only speed, typically, mm-hmm. but it was actually perfect for this of the whole fish out of water, I'm not really sure what's going on, I'm just gonna try and, yeah. you know, hang on by the seat of my pants and, like, survive this whole thing and, like, deal with these philosophical issues and all that sort of stuff. It's actually perfect for all that, and there's only a couple of lines that, like the the one that I always think of, like the the cans one, guns, lots, lots of, of guns. guns yeah. Yes, bringing that back for John Wick was beautiful. Oh yeah. Uh, the I know kung fu line is tremendous, but it makes me laugh now because I, if you've never seen it, you gotta look up some of the old Celebrity Jeopardies, and the one specifically with. Uh, the Keanu with Keanu Reeves as one of the contestants. I don't remember. And that. He goes, "I know kung fu," and uh, Will Ferrell, playing the host, goes, "For the last time, Mister Reeves, no, you don't." <laughs> <laughs> and he, and, uh, and he asks that it's in Final Jeopardy, uh, and screw it, let's just go to Mister Reeves, and your podium is missing. <laughs> I don't know where it went. I'm confused. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that was that the one of uh, Keanu Reeves or of Nicolas Cage, but they pretty much are acted the same way in those Celebrity Jeopardy yeah. skits, which is really yeah. they're so much fun. Uh, the interrogation scene. So once I'm glad you brought that up because that's also got one of my favorite like bits of like just letting Hugo Weaving. Do oh something. yeah, he's having he's he's eating up the scenery. It's where you know it's, how. You're gonna have your phone call if you don't have a mouth. He's so satisfied with himself in that moment. That little smirk. And that little smirk oh. that he starts to give as he's about to start laughing and then he starts yeah. laughing. It's so good. And he's creepy. It's, it's 
so good. It's so creepy. And it's so... I remember it was so terrifying, like, watching it. And I was like, oh my god, his, where the fuck did his <laughs> yeah. mouth go? What is happening? <laughs> uh, that scene, as we go into it, I don't know if you notice, it pans in from a view of a ton of television screens. And I'm wondering, is that the first scene that's from the architect's point of view in that did they know exactly where they were going at that point? That's a good question. Um, they probably had to have had it sketched out in some way because of the whole thing with the Oracle and the Architect being like kind of the mirror images of each other. Yeah. Um, so since they already had the Oracle in this movie, I have to imagine that they had at least the concept for their father figure. Right. It's just, it's bizarre because like it's now, going back and seeing it, when I watched that scene now, I was like, because it's too many screens to be anything realistic. But it's also even just, even more than a specific nod to the architect, it's supposed to be conjuring up the idea to you, the whole thing. I mean, this is all very much an allegory for the concerns of a police state and what that means and having Big Brother watching over you, right? And so that's consistent with that messaging. Mm-hmm. It's like a visual representation of what they're getting at with this whole thing. Yeah, that's fair. It's just, uh, it, it, it just seemed perfect because it feels like the room from the third film. Yeah. Um, which is... The second is, one? Uh, oh, is it the second one? Yes. Yeah, because as soon as he leaves that room is when he makes the choice to, to go try and save Trinity when she's falling out of the building. I have to rewatch the other two. For sure. <laughs> um, listen to me, Coppertop. That's where your nickname came from. Today, <laughs> the that that is what one one of the one of the oddly named uh, people who gets one or two lines in the movie, right? Yeah. Isn't that one? Was it was it was it Switch who yep. says it? Not like this. Oh yeah, like one this. one of the great gifts of all oh, time. Yeah. We we use that a lot. Yeah, uh, we use just the phrase a lot. Well, that too. But the pill scene. What? Okay. So I, I got to watch the movie in 4K, which was just outstanding. Uh, yeah. It was really fun. Uh, the reflection, the way this, this scene is shot, again, straight out of a comic book, because that's how they would be able to show you both perspectives at once. The camera on Morpheus with the super reflective sunglasses, in one lens seeing his hand with the red pill, in one hand, one lens seeing his hand... like. I just want to freeze frame that and just stare at it. It's such a yeah, great I, I, scene. I never noticed it the first few times I saw it, and then I saw a, a like a still of it online, mm. and I was like, "Oh wow, that's really funny. oh, it's so good." I it's really funny. Halfway through, or not halfway through, a little earlier on in the movie, uh, when we see the agents, I turned to Kim and I was like, "I have those sunglasses," and she goes, mm-hmm. "What?" I was like, yeah, no, I bought Agent Smith's sunglasses. And I still have them. I found them, in, I found them in a drawer the other day when I was cleaning out my office. And she goes, nice. you have those, like, those specific ones? I was like, yes, I also have his. And, and, I, pointed, and I pointed to Keanu Reeves. She goes, I was like, he doesn't have them yet, but I have them. She goes, what are you talking about? And then Morpheus came on screen. I was like, I wanted those sunglasses. And she goes, what is happening? <laughs> I love how they all have their own, like, thing, right? Whether it be, like, the leather trench coat for, like, Morpheus or whichever leather. Well, first of all, there's a lot of leather in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, 
you know, but each one has like their own like distinct like they're not wearing the exact same coats. They're all wearing their own thing. And Switch is the one who wears white, yep. right? Everyone else wears black, and she wears white, um, which I guess goes with the white hair. And and um, Mouse like just doesn't have nice clothes at all. Isn't Mouse wearing a pinstripe suit? Oh, I'm thinking of him. I'm thinking of him on the ship. That's oh why. yeah, he has the most threadbare yeah. clothes of all. That's of them, right. I think. But for some reason, they're all wearing leather, and he's wearing a pinstripe suit. Yeah. In the scene where he dies. Oh, that's so sad. I feel it, that that scene though very much feels like a. Ah, we don't really have any more use for him. <laughs> and they just <laughs> write him off. Also, I mean, listen, those are some badass guns. How many rounds he dumped into it and killed one yeah. guy? That was as bad as the the rebellion dealing with the stormtroopers coming through into the Tanta Four in. Um, in the opening scene of Star Wars, like, mm-hmm. what are you doing, man? They're coming through a doorway. Like, just you just have aim to at the aim doorway. In a general direction. Yeah, you'll get it. You'll you'll get this. It's gonna be fine. Like, sure, maybe they'll take you down, but you should be taking down six or seven of them minimum. Uh, you were mentioning their clothes. One thing that's more important to me is Morpheus is their stance, especially especially Morpheus's stance with his arms folded behind. He he's, he's not comfortable, and he's well. He, no, no, he 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 is because that is an elite parade rest and <laughs> like military like like stance. Although he's able to go even further with how he's able to actually clasp his own. Yeah, because he's dislocated both of his shoulders to do so. <laughs> it's an incredible amount of flexibility for a guy who's. Especially in that movie, was in pretty good shape. Yeah. Like, he was pretty jacked. Like he's a big dude. I can tell you, I'm just like no. I mean, I'm not as broad across the chest as he is, but I do not have <laughs> one quarter of the flexibility of that to do that. Like, and I mean, he has much longer arms than I do, but like, it's incredible. That that yeah, that is it was it's a it's an insane. It's an insane stance. His outfit is insane. Everything about him is insane. I, I love that character. Doesn't he have, like, the clip-on sunglasses that don't actually clip to anything? Yeah, they're just on his nose. That's why I wanted them. They, they, they just rest on his cl- nose. I don't understand They clip right on works. the... Right, it's the Matrix. There is no sunglass. Well, sure. It's uh, a good uh, The pill... I, I was always confused about the pill itself. And, I, like, I, I, I it just... It symbolizes the whole... They created in within the matrix. They gave the humans choice because that was the only way they could stabilize it. Uh, but then I was like, "Is that all it is?" But it's a. Tr- I don't. I still don't fully. It's how they find him. Like, what is? I don't understand. Is it like some sort of disruption? The pill. Well, yeah. It, they said it was some sort of like tracer part. It was. It was like a, a homing beacon to help, like basically give them a GPS coordinate of where his pod was. Yeah, that was. And it also. It also. I think it allowed them. I think technically they were hacking the the connection to his brain because it's what allowed them to actually cause it to pull out. Right. Like, okay. Which is also why like, like he's hallucinating and like short circuiting basically when it. Yeah, because he's kind of half in, half it, out yeah, at that point. It's, I the, the the whole thing the whole the choice thing starting off and like like there's a lot of there's a lot of yes or no throughout as like as he goes through this journey of becoming the one. Oh, man, it's it's so it's so well executed. It's really, it's really just a joy to watch. One thing that's not a joy to watch is Keanu Reeves' insanely red lips in this movie. I mean, I guess they're pretty. Did you red, notice that? But... Uh, it's not even every single scene, though. It's not, but in some of them, they are like too red. 
Or pink. I think it also... I think it must just be whatever the specific hue of his lips, whatever reason, stand out in stark contrast. To, to the green. green. Green yeah. color palette you're talking <laughs> That's about. I guess so. Because they're like contrasting colors. It could be. Kim was... Accentuate that. That was a... That, that, the, the lip color was bothering her, as well as the... The scenes of body torture, basically. So, like, the, the creepy little creature that went through his belly button. She was uh, not, yeah, she was a, not down with that. And then the, the unplugging scene. She's like, oh, oh. <laughs> You know what it is? It's really just when he pulls the... The, like the, the slow... Yeah, the out. slow pull. Oh, the one out of his throat. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's gross. She seemed more grossed out when he was pulling the one... I think she was, like, not looking directly at the screen when he pulls that one out. But she was more grossed out when he slowly pulls the one out of his wrist when they're on the ship. I guess, however, they were like intravenously feeding him. Oh, uh, um, yeah. But like, I was okay with him because you see the ports, and it's like, okay, like it's literally plugged into this embedded like port or whatever. Um, no, the one where he yanks it out of his throat, and it's like, oh, that's really long. That like, he felt that the whole way up. Mm-hmm. Like, huh? that's huh? the one that gets me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've been actually doing a pretty good job of. We've been going through the movie. Pretty much seen by scene, so before without skipping over this one area, we go through. I will say that the whole well, guy. Actually, yeah, go ahead and say what you were saying before I before I go. Uh, unless it's in the same area, because I was moving on to another part of the movie. Oh yeah, I guess it was somewhat somewhat similar because it's like a couple of scenes later. Um, the whole scene, even though the whole quote unquote like Basil exposition thing isn't usually that great, in this time it begs the explanation when he sits down and shows him the whole history of it on the TV screen and all that. And it was, like, a very clever way to do that mm-hmm. whole thing. You know, and when he reveals, hey, we're in, like, a subsection of the Matrix right now, like, that we've created for ourselves, like, like spoofing that code or whatever. Like, that whole thing was really cleverly done. If you're going to have a ridiculous exposition dump, yep. dress it up in a way that's interesting and intriguing that makes you want to follow along. Like, not be like, oh, God, they're just going to explain at me for, like, five minutes. You know what I mean? Like, no, like, it's almost interactive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's... Because it's basically it's interactive for him, you know what I mean? And we are all him in that scene where he's basically going, yeah. What is going on? <laughs> he's freaking out. Uh, when they're so in that even in that space, uh, the 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 training the training programs. That's such a fun scene to relive if you go back and rewatch oh, yeah. the movies. It's they're so entertaining. A uh, couple of things. I know Kung Fu, great line. We we got that earlier. Uh, one of the ones that I really like is when he goes, you think that's air you're breathing? Yeah. yeah. And he goes, very smugly. goes, hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, you savage. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and then, are you saying I could dodge bullets? Another ridiculously delivered line, but then followed up and completely negated by, when you're ready, you won't have to. And that his delivery with his booming, thunderous voice, which I'm pretty sure only comes through the subwoofer on a surround sound system when you listen <laughs> to that uh, that scene. Uh, that's I, I, When that happens, I go, yes! <laughs> it's, such, it's such a great scene. Uh, this was This one's weird. When they are hiding from the squiddy things, mm-hmm. they turn the lights off. Morpheus puts a beret on. Does he? Why? <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, was that... That was not the end, right? The earlier in the movie? It's earlier. It's Yeah, it's, it's the first time we, we find yeah, out. Yeah, I, I think it was because, because it's, it's cold on the ship when they don't have the power on. Because remember when he first comes in to talk to him in the bunk or whatever, he's like... Yeah, like, it's cold, like, it's going to take some getting used to or whatever. Mm. I think it was literally just because they were going to turn it off for 
like a couple of hours or whatever okay. while we were sitting there and, and hiding out. Like it was going to get cold on the ship. So it was a functional like beret slash it's a ver- It's a cap. very silly thing when it happens. I forgot about that, but yes, now that you say it, it was because they did say something of like, you know, like, yeah, it's cold sitting on the ship. So what's incredible, so it's like kind of like right after that, after all, like all this explanation, all this weird stuff, it's like time for shit to hit the fan. And then it just gets nuts. Like then the movie goes crazy. We go in the matrix and like all hell breaks loose and like all the rest of the story. It's like, all right, time to, time to kick it into high gear. Uh, we've, we've held your hand through explaining what this thing is. You either get it or you don't. And now we're all in. And they just dive into the rest of the movie. And it's just so... It, it's just nonstop from that point on. It's it's insane. Um, dropping the gun by Tank's hand. So when Cypher shoots Dozer, shoots Tank... Or shoots Tank, then kills Dover. He The way they focus that scene is he drops that gun right by his hand. And you think in that moment that he's dead. It's like, it's so, that's another one made for the rewatch is because it's like, it's so perfect as to like why it's there and why he has easy access to it when he gets back up to kill Cypher. And it was just like, it's so, I, I, man, I love it. Um, it's, I I don't believe it. Yeah. (laughs) Believe it or not, you're still going to fry. I I couldn't possibly kill him. Could I? You know? (laughs) Oh man, that scene is that scene's brutal when he's uh Tell me, do you love him? Yes. No. No. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> oh man. Um so let's let's uh we, we've gone through a decent amount of the f- film. A couple things. I have a, I've a couple of quick notes I want to throw like for later on. Uh some beautiful scenes. One specifically I mentioned the helicopter earlier. That scene is just... I, I love the way they do that rippling effect through the building and then shattering all the glass. It's so cool. Uh, actually, actually, even the one right before it when Morpheus finally breaks the so good. And they've shot up the thing and the water is cascading yeah. on and around him and he's busting out of the chair in slow motion. Yep, and then they dive like, to meet each other. Ah, yes. it's such a good scene. But I mean, even before that though, with like that yeah. whole thing with like the water spraying everywhere as it's going on, like... That's like a really cool looking scene before he actually turns to, or he actually gets up to run through the whole yeah. thing. And then you know, the whole thing where he's shooting through the wall and pops him in the fucking shin oh, ankle. Horrible. I don't really but, know how he's but even, walking after that. But Even when he's doing it, when he's running and the steps and you see the splashes coming up out of the steps and like, do, like it's that yep. whole thing is so, it's just so fun to watch. It's like a rewind loop. I <laughs> just keep going through it. Uh, the other piece that I really love is the when when Neo and Smith have the standoff and they they like do like this kind of like gust of wind thing and like just random garbage crap from ne- like the city is flying by. You, you, you need some you need some old western. It's music. so good. Yeah. And like like just play it. You might as well play it because I hear it anyway. Just make it happen. Who is the end of the movie? Who is he talking to on the phone? Smith? No, I think it was supposed to just the be the audience. Com- yes. Okay. Well, I think it first starts out with like him. It's like I think it's essentially his manifesto mm. because it's, doesn't it start with him? I for, I forget the order of it, but he addresses both specifically the machines and the agents, and then also the people he's planning on liberating. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that, it's such a badass um, scene of him flying away, though. It's. <laughs> <laughs> um. There's something else to discuss. Who is the one? Is it Neo or is it Smith? Hmm. I think that's a discussion for a sequel. Oh, uh, you don't want to do that. For I don't this think one? so because I, I actually, I think that it's worth. I think it's worth doing an episode on each of these. Okay. And uh, and then getting and then kind of getting and maybe the although I guess tech, technically we could do two and three as well. That's fair. We could do that. There's more of what they really are just kind of one long movie anyway. Once that was done, they were shot yeah. together. They were released. So let's let's with, let's get into that months. in that space. Because I've I never considered it when I watched the movies. I read the thing. I still don't buy it, but there's at least enough compelling info to make it a conversation. I agree. Um, so sticking with this movie, then, um, I will say that when they give Smith his couple of really long, like, soliloquies that he gets to have, like, the one that he delivers to Morpheus when he's in the chair. It's the stink. So, or the yeah, smell. The, the, it's, 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 it's the smell, if such a thing exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's so epic. I must break free. He's shaking, he's like, must... grabbing the side of his head, and he's like... Get out of this place. Uh, ugh, it's so uncomfortable. And it's, it's so I have intense. Searched, I have searched through all the records, and humans are nothing like anything else in the, in the world, with the exception of one thing. <laughs> a virus. <laughs> oh, man. You infest this host. You're a plague. He's so good. It, are your cure. Uh, we should do a supercut of all his monologues throughout. The film. one that I could never, that I would always think would have been cool to memorize, and, but it's just too much. There's too many lines. V. Is the one from the second one? Oh. You know, the, his 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 rant on purpose. Mm. Yeah, you know, purpose that defines us. It's purpose that drives yeah. us. It's purpose that binds us. <laughs> it's purpose that you know. There's and there's like fifteen of them. Yeah. As each new Smith walks in, and that's when Neo starts realizing, "Oh, I'm fucked." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that scene. Does not hold up. That's a that's some bad CG. I know we're talking about the second movie right now. That is some. It's rough to watch that CG now. Well, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, "Wow, this is cool yeah, as shit." Absolutely, but this is all really CGI. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, um, the last thing that I have here was: should we just live in it? Should we just should we just stay in? Steal. Well, I guess if there was a chance that you could blue pill it, then maybe. But um, I always thought it funny that Cipher bought the deal like what is the incentive for them to hold up their end of the bar? right because like it's the thing is if it was one of those like oh like i'll scribble it down on a piece of paper and i'll leave it somewhere and like it's got like a time locked safe and you're only getting into it after you've put me back mm-hmm. in like then it's whatever but they needed him to be out and alive right to get them right once they've got them what's the incentive to keeping him around unless i mean i don't know maybe for them it would be that important to try and since he was willing to reclaim him for the whole purpose of him being the power source but i I just wonder what the resources are worth it you know if he already was susceptible to having been busted free once why wouldn't he be again right and if you forgot about it he's not going to remember about the deal Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 a bizarre thing to drive the plot um like, it's the type of thing where I could totally understand his motivation of, I'm tired and I don't want to do this yeah. anymore. But that's more of a oh. time to give up 
slash kill yourself thing. Not well, it's not a, undersell his ignorance is bliss my speech. Yeah, that's great. That's a that's an intense scene. Well, you know what he does say. The, the thing is, he kind of hints at he does say something along the lines of like, no, like I got to back in first. Like I want this, I want that, but. I, th- I want to be someone famous, someone important. Like an actor. Like an oh actor. my god, so that's so silly. I love that. Good old Joe. Yeah, you are right though. They they don't have like realistically, it'd just be like, okay, cool, bye. Yeah, thank you for your services. Right. We're not gonna bother wasting the resources right. to get you plugged back in. We're just gonna blank slate you and flush your body into a the ultimate tube tool to for a master thief. <laughs> <laughs> The clean slate. <laughs> oh man, do you have anything else? Um, no, not really. Right, then at some point, uh, uh, we'll, we won't we won't make it too far out. We'll do the uh, we'll do reload. What's it? Reloaded and revelations. Revolutions. revolutions. Reloaded and revolutions. Although I I can understand why people would have some doubts as to whether we would get to a movie that we promised them. True. Especially a Wachowski movie. True. We'll get there. <laughs> That's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at SpinTune.com or tweet us at the SpinTune with the hashtag FLI6. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielson.